Howdy folks, welcome to episode 62 of Running with Sam and Dave. This is the Daily Run Through the Bible podcast. My name is Mike Mills, and uh, hey, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and this is one of the most difficult portions of Scripture. Not not in the sense that some there are some sections of Scripture that are just hard to just um, understand what it is, what it's saying. So there's some portions where you read it and you're like, I don't... I'm not sure I understand what this is saying. And then you look at Bible commentaries and you look at original languages and you, you look at different translations and it's like, well, I don't think anybody really understands what exactly is being said here. This is more difficult because I think we can read it and we know exactly what's being said. And what's being said is very disturbing. And so I think it's one of those things that I that is important to be aware of and have an understanding of, of what's, what's happening. And I think that's important because you will probably encounter someone at some point who is opposed to Christianity, whether they're an atheist or um, agnostic or uh, from another religious persuasion or, or whatever. So, or, and they're trying to devalue the scripture or call into question uh, things about God. And so uh, let's read this and then we'll, I think you'll see pretty quick why this is difficult. I'm going to warn you ahead of time. We'll probably spend a couple of days, maybe three days on this one because there's a, there's a few different ways that I want to kind of, I guess, focus in on. And so maybe I'll cover the, an overview this time and then we'll go back and, and talk about more of the uh, explanations or understandings of what exactly is going on and why. So uh, we'll read it. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came out from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. All right, so this this is difficult because what we see here is God apparently promoting genocide. And so God is telling um, Saul through Samuel, this is what I want you to do. God says, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel when he ambushed him on the way uh, when he came out of Egypt. Now, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. So uh, the people that are alive at this point are not the same people that did what they did back uh, when the people of Israel were coming out of Egypt and the the Amalekites um, abused them. And so... There's a few different things, I think, you know, as I said, topic, looking over, you know, to the, over the top of this. So, um, first of all, just because God tells somebody to do something one time does not mean this is God's prescription for all time. Right, I'll say that again. Just because God uh, tells somebody to do something one time, that does not mean it's God's prescription for all time. In other words... Uh, or an example of that would be uh, Genesis 22. And in Genesis 22, uh, God 
tells Abraham, take your son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him as a sacrifice to me, right? And if you're familiar with the story, you know that Abraham doesn't end up sacrificing Isaac, but he in fully intends to. And there's some amazing uh, amazing uh, connections there between what happens there and what eventually will happen on Mount Moriah, the same spot uh, when Jesus dies, when a son who's beloved of the Father is offered as a sacrifice. Anyway, it's not something that we're told all to do, right? We're, we're not told to do that. And so this one case is not the case for all times. It's not, hey, God's saying, wipe out your enemies, kill their babies. So God looks bad in this, I think. You know, on the surface, again, God looks bad. Um, God looks like he's promoting genocide. So there's a few things, I think, that that we have to understand about this. One is the nature of God and the nature of man. If you understand the nature of God or the, um, yeah, I, yeah, the nature of God, who God is, uh, his attributes, and you understand the, who man is, then this is not quite as um, horrible as it looks on the surface. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, here's the thing. The Bible teaches that man is fallen and sinful. Like you read through uh, the first three chapters of Romans, Romans chapter three in particular, you know, there's none good, no, not one. There's no one who seeks God. Um, the whole point is that we are all guilty. We are all sinners. So here's the thing. When we read the Bible, we see that God is good and holy and true and righteous and omniscient and and on and on. There's all these different things we would call the attributes of God, things that tell us uh, what the Bible tells us who God is, things about him that are different from everybody else. You know, like things like, um, like I said, God is omniscient. God God knows all things. God is omnipotent. God has power over th all things. Um, we talk about the, the justice, you know, God is just. God is perfectly just. Um God is is holy. God is righteous. God is um, immutable, meaning he doesn't change. Um, God is pure actuality. God God exists. He did wasn't created by someone else. God is eternal. You know, be, without beginning, without end. God is sovereign. You know, he has he he rules over all things. There's just many, many, many of these characteristics or attributes of God. Now, when we compare that God is righteous and holy and good to what man is described as, as there's none good, no, not one. Um, well, then then things are, are different because we understand, well, is God justified in telling someone to wipe out these people? They're evil and wicked. I'm bringing judgment upon them. Well, yes, he is because he is, he has all knowledge, right? So he's omniscient. He knows all things. He has all knowledge. He is just. And so he knows what is right. He knows what is good. And what he's doing is always right, holy, and good. And the reason I think that we kind of cringe at that is probably a, a couple of different things. Number one, the fact that he's talking about infants as well, right? Babies. We think, well, that's, that's innocence. Um, well, I think that we could probably say, well, God knows. And, and I, I believe that there's, there is a, uh, that God, again, that God is holy and just. And so I believe that these babies um, are not sent to some sort of eternal punishment, but rather they're being rescued from what their culture was raising them to be. Um, and so, I mean, that, that, that again is a tricky thing because what we tend to do is we tend to anthrop 
anthropomorphize God, right? We try to, we tend to think of God as a man and, and we start to think of God as, as working in or according to our moral systems, what we think is good and what we think is right. The difference is if we try to do the same things, we are not going to be moral and right. Because, you know, if you think about uh, back in the day, like the, uh, the Brazilian, um, oh, what they call them, the, um, the, the people that would go out in the Brazilian uh, ghettos and they would kill the children. And they said, well, we're, we're saving these children from growing up in poverty. Like poverty is the worst thing. Like, oh, they're going to be impoverished, so their life's going to be horrible. And there's a lot of people that still have this idea. You know, this is one of the the promotions for uh, for abortion is, oh, well, you know, that that woman's in poverty and that what kind of life is that baby going to have? Well, most people in poverty are not wanting to kill themselves. They're not like, I hate my life. They'll, they might say, well, this is not not always comfortable, but you can go and look at impoverished areas in the world and you'll see that people love their children and their children with smiles on their faces and say, wait, wait a minute, maybe it's not the poverty that makes people unhappy but it's so sad that we look at poverty and we think well they'd be better off dead than impoverished which is really ludicrous but ultimately the difference is that these people that were going out and doing those things were not omniscient they didn't have knowledge they didn't have just just they were not just and they were not able to see the future to say this is what is the end result for these people if these kids grow up they are going to whatever they're going to be they're they're going to be horrible whatever but god, god can see these things god can look at this culture and say yeah these people are raising their children to be just like them or worse so um i'm going to talk more about that probably in the next the next few times but what i what i wanted to, to really point out is this that if man is good then god is a monster if man is good then God is a monster. If people are inherently good, if the Amalekites are just minding their own business, doing their own thing, not hurting anybody, and God comes in and does this, God is a monster. But, but, man is not good. From our standards, from our perspective, we might say, hey, the Amalekites, they're just living their lives. But when we read about the practices of the Amalekites, the things that they were doing, are, they're really pretty horrendous. And, when you look at the, the 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 history of this, you think, well, these people are are God's bringing punishment upon them for something that happened hundreds and hundreds of years before. How is that? How is that just? How is that fair? Well, because God has been warning them; they've been given an extended warning for their wickedness, and we see this in the Bible over and over and over again, where God brings judgment, but He doesn't bring it right away. He He warns the people about what's coming. And sometimes some of them listen. You know, you read about Rahab in the book of uh, Joshua and Jericho. And when the spies come in to spy out the city and they find Rahab, she says to them, we were clearly told, we were clearly told that this land belonged to Israel. You know, so there's more to the story than we know. We just think, oh, well, God sent the people in to wipe them out. No, they were told, they were warned that this was not their land. And she recognized that they were clearly told. And so it wasn't just God coming in and just wiping them out without warning. He gave warning. For hundreds of years, he gave warning. 
Now, there's more to this. Uh, again, uh, one of the things we're going to look at is something that uh, I guess comes from 1 Corinthians 10, which is the idea that this story, this event is recorded to teach us a greater spiritual truth about dealing with sin. So that's something we'll talk about in uh, the future couple of days when we look at this some more. But I want to just kind of start off with that point of, of recognizing the, uh, that our initial reaction to this, I think our initial response is, is kind of shock and maybe repulsion because we don't see men, we don't see people as wickedly as they are. We don't recognize the ripple effects of our sin. We don't recognize the the evil that has been embraced by our culture. And so we tend to think that people are generally good. And if people are good, God is a monster. But we know this from what the Bible teaches us, that people are not good. But God is, and God is right and holy and just. And nobody ends up with the fate that they were undeserving of unless, unless they repent from their sin, receive Jesus as their savior and receive that free gift of grace so that they might receive what they don't deserve, which is forgiveness and eternal life with Christ. Anyway, we'll talk more about this chapter next time. God bless you.